Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. In this week's episode, I speak with Charisma Jameson, the second half of Roll with Cole. Charisma is a young woman with the goal of helping educate others regarding disability. Through a production company, she, with her husband, create far-reaching content endeavoring to do just that. Cole and Charisma have had their YouTube channel for almost as long as they've been in a relationship. As their hundreds of thousands of followers grow by the day, the underbelly of the internet makes itself heard in the form of hateful and hurtful YouTube commenters. In this week's Change Talk, Charisma opens up about how these comments, largely directed at her, have harmed her self-image and how she wants to locate her inner confidence so she can begin to heal from and be less affected by them. We are so thankful to have been able to speak to both Cole and Charisma. And while we have you here, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. This can make a huge difference in expanding Change Talk's reach. And if you really like what you're hearing, consider donating to our tip jar, which can be found by following the link at the bottom of our show notes. Thanks for listening, enjoy, and may Charisma's Change Talk, in some small way, inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Okay, so we are live for another episode of Change Talk. For me, it's only been about 40 minutes since I spoke to Cole. Um, and now I am getting to speak to his other half, his better half, Charisma. So thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you all. I heard a little bit of your interview with Cole, so I'm really excited to interview with you. Yeah, we had we had a very interesting interview. And so I keep it open at the beginning. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Charisma. I am recently married to Cole. Um, I was born in New York, Bronx, New York. My parents moved here when I was three to Richmond, Virginia. Um, Let's see. I went to VCU to study exercise science. I then worked as a rehab tech for two years at Sheltering Arms Hospital and then attended occupational therapy school for a year. Um, but actually dropped out after a year um, for a lot of personal reasons. It really just didn't feel like what I was supposed to do with my life. And I had a really bad migraine that really made me realize I needed to do something different and put things into perspective. Um, and like so, yeah. it's an ongoing migraine? Um, no, actually, it only happened the one time. I felt it coming again, maybe a few weeks later, um, but it didn't quite happen. Um, but I ended up in the hospital. They thought I had a stroke. It was a pretty intense migraine and it was pretty scary and made me realize I am doing something that I am not happy doing and it's not healthy for me. So you get a migraine, which is obviously, I know that it's terrible, um, but why get a migraine and then rethink my whole life? Like what, what does that mean? Yeah, I, so when the migraine happened before, like a few weeks before I was going back and forth, 
on whether or not or not I wanted to be in school. Actually, the semester before, I was really not sure. And we had a summer break. So I was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this summer, see how I feel after summer break and reevaluate everything. So I had already figured I wasn't 100% about school. Um, and then it was only three weeks into the semester when the migraine happened. And it just made me realize that I'm not happy. I'm doing too much. I am overexerting myself. I am overwhelmed. I'm stressed. And I just had to make that decision. And because of the migraine, I was in bed for four or five days. And within four or five days, I was so far behind. And it just, it didn't take long for me to get behind because it is a very accelerated program that is mostly online. And I couldn't even look at a computer screen without being in pain. And so I just made that decision. And as soon as I made that decision, I was instantly happy. I had a weight lifted off my shoulders. I just felt 10 times better. So it, it was, it was all the things before were contributing to that, but then this migraine happened and it just was like, I'm done with this. I'm, yeah. I'm moving away from all of this. I just, I thought I was meant to be an OT. I thought I really wanted to be an OT, but having a YouTube channel made me realize there's something else in this life that I'm supposed to do that I truly enjoy. I actually interrupted you before you were talking, you were just starting. I said, tell me about yourself. You then, you mentioned the migraine, you mentioned the change. So let's just continue with the story. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of who I am revolves around Cole in our YouTube channel. So when people ask me like, who are you? Tell me more about yourself. I, I, I really have a hard time because I, sometimes I don't know who I am without talking about the YouTube channel, without talking about Cole. Um, and before the YouTube channel and before Cole, I just feel like there was nothing really going on to like really talk about. And especially because being with Cole, you know, I love him. I love him dearly. He's like the best thing that ever happened to me. But whenever we do meet people, the main focus is Cole and his disability. And it's like, oh, hey, Charisma, like you're with him. You're so awesome. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I love him. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm no one special because I'm with him. Um, but a lot of times I think people do forget that I have a story too, which I understand. I'm not um, butthurt or anything about it. Like I, I totally understand, um, but it also has forced me to kind of forget to tell my story and to share my story or even how to share my story. And that's where I may be asking. I'm, I'm wondering because I think, <laughs> right, because you went from migraine to YouTube channel. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly the timelines of when you met Cole and, and all of that stuff, but it sounds like you had a, a life trajectory that was not going the way you wanted to do. You had this migraine and then that caused you to reevaluate things. And then, and then what you went right into becoming Cole, Cole and charisma. I guess the way I explain it isn't quite correct. You know, I was a rehab tech and then I met Cole and then Cole and I were dating for a, a few months before I went to OT school. Okay. So he was already involved in your life at that point. Yes. Yeah. And while I was in OT school, we had already started the YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel had already existed. I was in OT school all at the same time. And I was a nanny. I was doing a lot. And so there's a reason why I most likely had the migraine. I was just doing way too much and had to sacrifice something. Um, right. And, you know, I think before there's a phase in my life when I was in undergrad before meeting Cole, that is just really a blur because I was probably in the worst point of my life. And I was just in a terrible, toxic relationship. 
And so whenever people tell me to explain my life, I really just skip those years because I don't like to talk about those years because it just wasn't like a good moment in my life. So I just said, you know, I'll say I went to undergrad and then grad school and just kind of forget to mention those years. Right. Yeah. And, and now you're sort of mentioning them as saying, I don't mention them, but you're mentioning them. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> which is, which is totally fine. So I want to go a little bit with that. And then in, in the sense that you, your identity, who, who you are, tell us about, about yourself. Obviously a big part of who you are is with Cole and the relationship and your identity as the caregiver for Cole. And I'm, I want to invite you, of course, to talk about that as much as you want. Um, but is there other, are there other things that you want to share with us about yourself? I want to just give you the space to share any of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I really am into sports. Uh, I ran track uh, since the sixth grade. So I do like to stay active. I like working out. Before I met Cole, I was a gym like fan. I went to the gym all the time. Gym, the gym was my life. Um, but now with COVID and everything, I kind of work out in our garage and, you know, do, do that. Um, I try to read. I'm not a reader like Cole, I must say, but I try to read here and there. Uh, I love music. Music is, I love music and dancing. I, I, I know it. you like dancing. I know that. <laughs> you see a lot of that in the YouTube videos. Yeah. You do that regardless of whether you're on camera or not. Like it's not a thing just for the camera. It's just a part of your day-to-day joy of life yeah um, yeah I dance a lot uh, especially in the morning and now that we have Sophie I dance with her all the time like every morning she gets so excited and I like dance with her put her her paws on my hips and then like I start dancing with her and she loves it and I have always just randomly broke out in a dance I just love to do it um yeah Cole tells me I shake my booty a little too much but it is just <laughs> A part of who I am and I, I love doing it. Um, yeah, it's on camera, off camera every every single day. Well, it's just an it's it's literally an energy booster that I don't think people take enough advantage of. Dancing and singing particularly are body oriented things that you can do to lift your yourself out of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's preventatively or just in the moment. There's just a, there's so much energy that gets created through that. Um, yeah. and I feel like people look forward to you know, going to a wedding or going out dancing as like an activity that they have to get themselves pumped up to do. And it's, there's all these th- rules around when they can do it. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe uh, the world would be a little bit better if we just started to dance on demand. Is that fair? I agree 100%. And I must say before Cole met me and even the beginning of our relationship, he was not into dancing. He not like dancing did not feel comfortable he's like I look weird when I dance and I'm like who cares it's fine that's the point and now he danced just he dances just as much as me if not more than me sometimes like he'll just like come out and start dancing he's like want to have a dance party and I'm like okay and so I think I've rubbed off on him a little bit when it comes to that right so but but coming back I did ask you sort of tell me about yourself and obviously your work with Cole obviously has to do with Cole but it's also you and I'm, I'm imagining there's a continuity between the rehab work that you did and the OT interest that you had and your relationship with Cole. Do you want to just talk about, about that a little bit, how that formed? So before I met Cole, I knew I wanted to be an occupational therapist. Um, and so in order to get there, I decided to apply as a rehab tech. Um, and so obviously working there, he was working out there and that's how we crossed paths. If it wasn't for, weren't 
for sheltering arms, we wouldn't have crossed paths. Um, and so I think that my experience as a tech and working in that field really made it easier to um, talk to Cole, to see him for who he is and not be distracted by his disability or his wheelchair. Um, and then it made it easier for me to learn how to be his caregiver. Um, I didn't really blink an eye when it came to doing stuff for him because I was kind of used to that. And I just have that caring personality, I believe. And so the whole YouTube channel just started because uh, a lot of people, my friends, my family kept asking me what we did for fun. How was our relationship? And it was just easier to just post videos about it. And so I knew that you could post really long videos on YouTube. You couldn't quite do that on Instagram. So I said, let's make a YouTube channel. And since we were so early in the relationship, Cole's just like, sure. And he said yes to pretty much everything I, I said. <laughs> um, and so we did it. Um, and I think from there, just like, being able to talk about Cole's disability and like use my knowledge from what I even learned in occupational therapy school, I was able to use that to, you know, help teach others with Cole about his disability, about loving yourself. And just, I was more knowledgeable when it came to the disabled world. And so I think my experience helped our channel grow, I guess, and us have like a purpose within our channel, making it more normal and to show people that just because someone's in a wheelchair or whatever disability, I mean, a lot of disabilities are invisible. You may not see them, but you don't have to just shy away from talking to someone that's rolling down the street. You can say hi. And also like, I get a lot of people are curious about how someone was injured. Um, but I, that shouldn't be the first thought. Like you should see, Oh my gosh, Hey, this guy looks really cool. Oh, she is very pretty. I love her shoes and just talk to them as, you know, a human being. And if they want to tell you how they were became disabled, then that's on them. But I think a lot of times when we see disabled people we're we're quickly wondering, Oh, what happened to them? How did they get that way? Instead of seeing them as a normal person. Right. But, but I feel like you're so, you, so much, and I don't know what your interviews are like with other people and, and just in general, but you, you have to go almost right to this part where you, you're being asked these questions. All I said to, to, to Cole, for example, just was tell me about yourself. And he went right into that. So yeah. maybe, I don't know if there's an expectation or whatever it is, but it's, it Absolutely. must be hard to have the identity outside of all of that. Oh, I, I think I 100% agree that that's the case because whenever someone new meets Cole, they always want to know about his disability. How did he be, you know, get into a chair? And for Cole, I can't speak for everyone else, but for Cole, he is very comfortable talking about that. And he mentions it probably before someone even asks the question because it's just who he is. To just also get it out of the way almost. Yeah. yeah. To, and to build everything up to be open after that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's just a part of who he is and he accepts that and he loves who, who, who he is. And so he just shares that part of his life very easily. Now for other people that may not be the case and they may have gotten injured, you know, a year ago and it may be like a sensitive topic. When people are asking, interviewing you in the context, they're also asking you about Cole. How do people connect with you and ask you about yourself outside of that? I don't even know how to answer that question myself because I've been with Cole for three years. I've gotten so used to that being the case. Anytime someone talks to me, Cole's name is mentioned and then how I deal with his disability or how it is being his caregiver or this or that. And it's not so much. Initially, it was me. People wanted to get to know me. But now because Cole and I are kind of like this, yeah. people like group us together and People ask less about me, but like, honestly, I, just, I don't really 
I don't think I feel bothered by it just because I am personal. And so it's like, whatever, the less I share, I'm fine with that. Um, but right. I mean, it is, I guess it is interesting from the outside perspective, like seeing how like it's, even when I talk about myself, I always mention Cole, and I always mention our relationship and I always mention YouTube and I have a harder time talking about just myself. Which is fine. Cause it's, you know, people, for example, when I, when you, when you talk to people in the world and you say, so what do you do? Everybody talks about their work. It yeah. just so happens that it's your work, your love, your, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of things for you. Yeah. So it's natural to talk about, but I, I just want to like make an observation. I don't know if it's a question so much is that you met about three years ago, the minute you started dating, you started making your life on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What would your relationship be if you didn't do that? I know that's a great question. We, we ask each other that all the time. <laughs> um, I think our relationship would be the same. I don't know if we would be married by this point. I think we would be engaged for sure. Um, but I don't know if we would be married just because I would have still been in school. Right. And so I don't think I would have tried to plan a wedding with school and then COVID. And I think we would have got married a lot later. But because we had the ability to kind of switch our dates and do this and do that, because we had the freedom, it made it easier for us to get married, I think. Um, I think I would have been in school. I don't, I don't think we would be living together. Maybe. Actually, we might have had an apartment, I'm sure. But I don't think we would have had the ability to buy our own house. And so in terms of like where we are in our relationship, I think it would have been a little different, but how close we are, how much we love each other would, I think would sort of been the same. So it just like sort of sped things up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering how you create that magic of, of, of the two of you while also balancing that you are public, public figures and everything you do is not everything you do, but so much of what you do is seen by other people. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have boundaries. That's for sure. We, that was one thing we talked about at the beginning when we made our channel, I said, we have to have boundaries. We can never put the channel before our relationship ever. Um, and so we make sure that there are things that we have just to ourselves, just um, things that we share with only our friends and family before we share it with our whole world or just not sharing with, you know, the YouTube world at all. I mean, we just got our wedding video back today and just today. And yeah. Well, no, two days ago, oh my we just gosh. watched it today. And in between talking to Cole, talking to you and me talking to you, we made the decision that we were only going to share a part of the video and not share the whole thing. Because sometimes you just need things to yourself. I don't want to share every single thing we get with the world because we deserve to have some privacy as well. Um, and I think a lot of people expect that we share everything. And I think that's an unfair expectation. Um, but we have a lot of discussions about what we want to share, what we feel comfortable with sharing. And I think that helps us separate that world from our real world. <laughs> right. So you have your own relationship, your own private world that it's just the two of you to share. Mm -hmm. But on the other end, how does it feel that people care about you and your day-to-day -day life so much? Yeah. It feels awesome. I mean, I, I love that people care. And, you know, if something is like, going wrong people care and they reach out and they send letters i mean um cole had a death in a family unfortunately a few mm. weeks before our wedding and we got a bunch of like sympathy cards from subscribers saying i'm so sorry for your loss and um you know holidays people send us christmas gifts and birthdays and um people have already sent us baby clothes even though we haven't had a child yet <laughs> so I, I love having extended friends and family on YouTube and it feels awesome to be supported. Um, 
but it at the same time it can be overwhelming because you go out in public and people know so much about you and you don't know who you're talking to you have zero clue and so it's, it's a little weird and I'm always like wait what's your name tell me about you like I'm talking to a stranger who knows everything about my life and it's strange but I, I do appreciate the support for sure what is sort of one story for you that sums up the very best of why you started or why you do this, the most validating story or experience or something that somebody said that really touches you and continues to matter for you? Yeah, um, I, I guess I can just speak from my point of view because there's a lot of messages from people with disabilities and kids with disabilities that are truly touching and means a lot. But there are also messages from people who are able-bodied that you know, mention how they see someone with a disability and they say hi and they go up to them and they speak to them. I get a lot of messages from women who recently started dating someone in a wheelchair and they come to me asking me like, hey, like, you know, should I offer this? Is this too, too much? Or like, how should I approach this? And so I love being able to help someone navigate that relationship because it is different, you know, and that is okay. It, it is very different and you have to take a different perspective when it comes to dating someone who is different from you. It, it's the same for anyone. Um, and so I love being able to talk to different men and women about how they should approach someone with a disability, how they can be allies for people with disabilities. Um, I, I really, I really enjoy that. And, and you, and then you see how just by living your life, the, the way that you're living, even just, just by the very fact of the channel um, has that kind of impact. I do remember this one comment from this father who says that he watches, his daughter watches our channel and she was seven and she'd always get so excited to see someone just like her on YouTube. And she's like, daddy, daddy, Cole's just like me. And like, that makes me so happy to see that representation and to have that little girl feel like her, you know, people will love her regardless of um, where her being in a wheelchair, um, people love her. She's special. Um, she can be on YouTube. She can be on TV. Um, and I, I loved hearing that. So the channel is obviously very important. It's, it's been very meaningful. I've got a, a chance to see some, I got to see some of your weddings, some of your conversations. Hey. Um, you yeah. have a, you have a, a joy of life together that I don't think. And I was saying to Cole, I don't think is very superficial, even though it's, happy-go-lucky, if you will. Yeah. There's a depth to it. And I just want to ask you, what's your favorite part of the relationship with Cole? Like, what is the best part? You're newly married. This is a new world. Um, I love being married. I'm a big fan of my wife and we have a great time and we have our own project that we get to work on together. What's the most meaningful part of your relationship? I mean, if you could say one thing. Yeah. He's my best friend. I think it's so important to marry your best friend because it's just like you actually enjoy spending 24 seven with that person. Like you don't, I don't know, Cole and I spend every single day together. We work together. I'm his caregiver. We have a, we're married. We have a relationship together. And so every moment of every day we spend together. And if that person, if Cole wasn't my best friend, I don't think we would be able to survive spending every minute together. And so I love that he is my best friend. I can go to him when I feel down or when I'm happy. He's always there. Um, we can have dance parties together. I know I'm listening way more than you're saying, but I feel like best yeah. friend is like a umbrella of things. <laughs> but it's just, there, there is that sense. And I, I mean, I got to be honest with you and I'm, 
but I also like need space away from my wife. So do you get that as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, <laughs> a lot. it's interesting because we need our personal space, but we're always next to each other. So it's like for us having our own personal time and our own personal moment is, you know, me playing Sims on the computer and Cole playing Xbox on the TV. And we're literally like two feet apart, but we're doing our own thing. And so we feel like we're doing... <laughs> separate things but I can still touch you and I can still see you and so but you're in your own world in your own worlds at that time yeah it's I think it's quite interesting how much we enjoy being together I think it's I don't think that feeling is normal for every relationship I think most couples need more time apart we truly enjoy being with each other that much and I've never felt that way about anyone in my life wow (laughs) the last thing I want to ask you about and I don't, I don't know if you get this a lot and I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, clearly being a caregiver, um, obviously there's things that are incredible about it and things that are difficult, but I just want to understand how, how you learn the art of being patient, because I just, I watched the video of just the attention to detail that you have to have and the, 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 the patience. And, and so it's a very interesting in Hebrew, the word for patience, savlanut is also the word for sevel, which is suffering. That there's like a patient that comes, I'm very into etymology of words. And in Hebrew, like a lot of the words are like layered in meaning. And so you have this word sevel, which is suffering, but also patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering how you deal with being patient. Um, do, do you even, is it even a test? Do you even get impatient? It's, it's, it's so funny because before this talk, Cole was like, well, so what's your thing you want to change? And I said, it'll be wild if I mention that I want to be more patient because people <laughs> see the channel and they say you are so patient you deal with this and and I don't feel that way I don't feel like I'm I'm that patient all the time and I think I'm patient in certain areas of my life and I'm not so patient in certain areas of my life so when it comes to Cole's disability I think I'm very patient and I realize that I'm very patient it doesn't really bother me because I know that you kind of have to expect that something may happen. Um, it could be one in the morning and I may have to get up and deal with the situation. And I just kind of like learn to deal with that. And I don't know what it is, but when I'm caring for Cole, I know that I'm doing this for him to make sure he's okay. And I just have a different mentality when it comes to that. I am way less patient when it comes to like our actual relationship as husband and wife. And so if he forgets to do something, I'm not as patient when it comes to like, oh, you didn't get the mail today. Like that's what you're supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. And so it's very interesting when people notice and they say I'm really patient because I think Cole is 10 times more patient than I am. (laughs) So the thing about, let's just use impatience as a sort of quasi connection to, to being frustrated when your expectations are that things are not going to go exactly the way you want them. You have, you're not, your, your, your plans aren't being uh, annulled or destroyed by things taking a longer time. You're used to it. And that's just a part of it. You're not being tested with your patients. It's just, yeah. it's just going to take what it's going to take. There's nothing, there's nothing in that. There's no but changing the minute, Right. There's no changing that. But the minute, you know, Cole does his thing and is not, and by the way, I hope we had our whole change talk about stuff related to, responsibilities and tasks, but that's probably frustrating because you have an expectation that's not being met and then you get frustrated. Yes. 
And so that, that makes total sense. I never connected it in that sense. And it's like, I know it might be some sort of a control thing too. I know I don't have control over Cole's disability. What happens when we're out and about, we, neither one of us has full control over that. If his body decides I'm not okay, we can control what happens and how we take care of it. But his body's saying something's wrong. We don't have control over that. And so I think when I know I don't have control over that, I accept that and I'm more patient. When I know I have like a little bit of control over how this house is organized, how this looks, how, you know, other things in my life, I get a little bit more impatient when they don't happen when I would like for them to happen. <laughs> right. Because there is the possibility that things could be better and they're not. Yes. And, and, and it's not going according to your plan. And that's really, <laughs> really annoying. Yeah. I want to have that same mindset that I have with Cole's disability and being his caregiver in everyday life. And it's just weird because it seems, it seems like as soon as I become a caregiver, my whole mentality switch. And as yeah. soon as I'm out of that role, I'm just totally like, I take this different <laughs> approach with things. And so I, I don't understand. I'm working on how to make sure I'm the same way. In both worlds. Yeah, it's but, hard. But it's, it's just a totally different experience. I asked that as part of the, that was part of the interview. That wasn't the change talk. I know. But then it went into the change talk and I said, and when we had the pre-interview, we said we were going to get to maybe two things. So you mm -hmm. gave a little bit of a preview about the anger and frustration. Yeah. Um, and I, I, we're going to move into the change talk, but are we going to talk about that? Or are we going to talk about the other thing? I think we should move into like the insecurity because I think that a lot of me introducing myself has a lot to do with knowing who I am as a person and feeling secure in myself. And I feel like if I had better, like if I were more secure with myself, I would be able to answer more questions about who I am as a person rather than relying on my relationship to Cole to, to define you. Yeah, to define me. Okay, so we basically, we did the interview. Then we ended the interview, asked you about your patience, which turned out that you are very patient in the things that you, that I was like, oh my gosh, how are you patient? And then you're not patient in the things that are more in your, more in the control of possibly being the way you want them to be. But let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about this insecurity. So share with me, share with everyone. Well, just the two of us right now, maybe Cole's <laughs> in the background. Um, about this. And before we move on to the change talk, have you lost track of the hours you lose browsing and scrolling? Most of us have a hard time answering that question truthfully. Our suggestion? Utilize technology to help conquer technology. Focus Me is the productivity app that forces you to focus. The fully customizable tool blocks digital temptations, giving you countless hours of your life back by blocking selected keyword searches, desktop apps, and websites. The best part about it, it is unbeatable, uncheatable, unworkaroundable. I personally have been using it successfully for almost two years now. To join me, go to focusme.com slash changetalk for a 20% discount off your first payment. And if you are a student, go to focusme.com slash request dash educational dash discount to request an additional 30% off your first purchase. And now on to the change talk. So I think that I've had insecurity issues um, for a while. Um, and I think a lot of it stemmed from my toxic relationship that I had mentioned. It just took a toll on 
who I was as a person, feeling secure in myself, feeling beautiful, feeling valued. Um, and I think that I never really addressed that. And so I think my way before I met Cole, my way of addressing that was to go to the gym. And that's when I became so into the gym, I felt better physically. So I was like, oh, this, I look great. I feel better mentally. Um, and that was my way of addressing it. Then I started dating Cole and I stopped going to the gym for two years straight. And that was who I was. Like I defined myself, like that person who I was before I met Cole was who I thought I was. And then I stopped going to the gym and I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? Like, I don't feel great. I lost 25 pounds. Um, and that's because the only way it's weird. The only way for me to really gain weight is if I work out. And so as soon as I stop working out, I get back to the slimmer side of me. Um, and so then on YouTube, people saw that I lost weight after a few, like after a year on YouTube and they're like, you're looking skinny and this and that. And I'm like, great. Like, you don't realize how, like, that is like a really insecure thing about me. Um, and then just dating Cole, I know Cole is a good looking guy. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of comments saying, you know, I'm not pretty enough for Cole or I'm ugly and like, or calling me a monkey and like really hurtful things. Yeah. Really Whoa. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because we're interracial. So we, I deal with a lot of those negative comments. 90%, 95% of those negative comments are directed towards me rather than Cole. And so it take, it took a toll on my, me feeling confident in myself. Yeah. Yeah. People, what people. Yeah. So what yep. do you, how do you respond to that or not um, respond to that? So, so I think uh, at the beginning of the YouTube life I cried a lot I was just very hurt by words and I don't think Cole fully understood what that felt like because he didn't get a lot of that and in a in a sense he understood because of his disability but he didn't quite understand like people directly coming to you saying you're ugly you're this you're that so I would come to him and um he would have a hard time being there for me just because he didn't quite understand and so for me I just was like, whatever, just forget about it. Just pretend it doesn't exist. And so I kept suppressing those feelings. Um, and I think that I don't think I've ever really addressed it. I don't think I've ever really like talked about my insecurity and how I feel. I just pretend it doesn't exist. And I try to seem like I'm more confident than I am. Right. Well, I mean, it's just, a, it's a weird world we live in where we are used to living in small groups in our meta history. And when people say things to insult the integrity of who we are, it's da it's very dangerous because it means maybe our standing in the group isn't safe. Yeah. And we amplify that to a very large extent with being so, you, especially the two of you, especially, but being so public and having connected, being connected to so many different circles, things like that. Your brain isn't processing about this. Like this is a random stranger. They have their own things going on in life. You don't, that's not what the brain does automatically. The brain does this is a threat to my sense of self. I can't believe people don't accept me for, yeah. for who I am. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, on top of just physical parents, people do talk about like my personality too. Like, oh, she can't be this positive. Oh, she can't be this. She's and a faker like, or something? Yeah. And she's so fake. She just wants his money and blah, 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 blah. All this like really wow. not like nonsense. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like if people really knew who I really was and they do because i put it on youtube <laughs> like, <laughs> they wouldn't say this stuff but they just assume because there are many people on youtube who aren't who they truly say they are and so they assume that that's the case for us and for me just 
already having that sense of insecurity, it just didn't help how I already feel about myself. Right. So th- this is an, a bit of an abstract one, and I want to see how we can make it a bit more tangible. Yeah. On a day-to-day basis, what does the self-esteem issue look like for you? Um, I don't know. Just like a lot of, I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I look terrible today. Like a lot of just appearance, like physical appearance. Or sometimes I think, oh, my body looks great. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like way too skinny. But people look at me and I think with the society, it's so hard because people look at you and you're like, if you complain that you're too skinny, they're like, oh my gosh, seriously? Like, how could you complain about that? But it's like, a lot of people deal with body issues, regardless if they're really small or if they're really big. I don't, I never felt comfortable like being skinny because when I was younger, I was like this little skinny, scrawny girl. I remember in gym class, it was in eighth grade. My teacher said, the gym teacher, can I get the scrawniest girl in class and then the biggest guy? And she said, Charisma, you're the scrawniest girl, come here. And like that, and so I think deep down, it's like, I never wanna be that skinny girl, even though I'm not that skinny, I still wanna be, big buff I want to be that buff girl and feel I don't know not scrawny in people's eyes right so it's day-to-day image of who you are and and just not being firm in that and you mentioned obviously the relationship and then you mentioned this gym thing about that identity is there anything else that sort of stands out in the past as being like this is this is why I'm so concerned about that particular issue I mean, I just think that I've always like had like little comments that I would laugh off as a little girl, like talking about like my parents that I laughed off. But now that I'm older, I realize actually affected how I felt about myself. And so I can name a bunch like I always I remember all of them, even though I try to forget them. So I just think it's just I let people's comments influence me way too much and influence how I feel about myself. Right. And it's weird what kind of things we remember. Um, for myself, I'm. it took me a long time to come into my own identity uh, in terms of how I want to provide value for the world. So there was, there was obviously exploratory years, years of travel, years of things where I was moving a bit slowly in high school. I never felt like I was achieving anything. Um, so I have this overcompensation method where I'm doing so many things now and it's hard for me to like, I have conversation, remember things of people saying like, oh, you're not good at anything. And, yeah. and you hear it. It's a, it's a weird thing that you hear and you're trying to like, to not live your whole life as narrated through that. And there's a lot of things that I do to counter that, but these are the natural, that's just my natural reaction yeah. is to overcompensate. And for you, it's, it's in, in the appearance piece. It's like, yeah. whatever it is, those things still stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's interesting. And I think being a black woman too, Um, There's a lot of things I faced too growing up with like my hair and um, you have nappy hair, your hair should be straight in order to be beautiful. And I think as black women, a lot of young girls face a lot of issues with their appearance because we don't look like media and people tell us we don't look like what people say we should. And so a lot of. Right. So so there's that double identity of weight and then race and beauty and hair and all of that stuff comes together into a big whatever you want to call it yeah of 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 image stuff so on a day-to-day level sometimes maybe some thoughts cross your mind about whether you look good or not and i don't know how and but by the way you're facing that on a regular basis because you are constantly on camera projecting yourself into the world 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so has first of all, doing before we get into the change talk part, but it, how, how do you, how do you, do you just sort of let those thoughts be there and then you just keep going? Like, yeah. Um, um yes. Yeah. I think I, we got a comment like a few months ago about like, I wasn't wearing makeup for a long time. I would just put my curly hair in like a big ponytail and I was just being me. And then someone made a comment on it. Like, Oh, Chris was letting herself go. And I was like, great. And so now like, I've just been putting makeup on every time I film and like just making myself look good just because that one stupid comment, someone said I was oh my letting myself go. It's forced me to like put makeup on every day. And it's such so- a time bomb. I feel like there's just like, you're so public on your channel that it could be any moment this bomb could be thrown your way yeah that like just devastates you um oh (laughs) i know i know that's tough because this is just this is a a a major part of who you are Mm -hmm. so um in terms of being this sensitive to image and and body image how does it serve you i don't think it does (laughs) i think I think it makes me like deep down inside, like not feel like the best, even though I I seem happy and I I smile. And even when I talk about it, I like giggle about it because that's my way of like dealing with how I feel deep down inside. I don't really like, I don't think I would ever like talk about how insecure I am and start crying because I just don't let myself get there. Um, Cause I cried at the beginning and now I just shut that emotion. Like, don't cry about that. Like it's fine. Um, and so I don't, I don't think, I don't think it helps in any way. I don't see how it could. <laughs> well, I know. And that's the weird thing. And I, I the, the thing is, is, and, and it's not always the case, but for the most part, the way that we engage in the world, even if we don't like the way we engage, it helps us in some way. So even if it's for you that it, having a level of insecurity keeps certain things away, like keeps, I don't know, but, mm-hmm. but if you really think about it and, and maybe, and maybe this will be the first change talk in history where there isn't a reason why it helps you. But if you had to think about a reason why it really does make your life better to be hyper vigilant about your appearance, to be concerned, does anything come to mind? Um, yeah. I mean, maybe in a sense that like, it kind of makes me stronger in a sense, like, even though I do feel insecure and feel like some days I'm like, I don't really like how I look. I still do what I have to do. I still, I'm, I just feel like it does kind of make me stronger in a sense that I can push those negative comments away, even though not, I must say not all of those negative comments affect me. I get, I've gotten negative comments before and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's just a few of them, depending on where I am in my life that affect me. The ones that hit close to home. Yeah. For whatever reason. But that's, but that, but that is something to, to think about what you just said and how that impacts you on a, on a regular basis. You know, like as long as you're affected by the insecurity and you remain infected, affected by it, but you overcome it, then you're this strong woman who's constantly facing battles and overcoming them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that is one good thing that can come from it. And like when I do, people do say something about me, I'm learning to just like, dude, like, just brush those comments off, not truly letting them affect me. And like, I'm more aware of what I let affect me, I guess. It, it makes me more aware of what is affecting me. I realize that this specific comment made me feel that certain way. I am hypersensitive to my emotions and how I feel. 
So it also is a way to remind you that you have that you have feelings, that you feel, that uh, that you're impacted, that you care about things. Yeah, that I'm human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like imagine you, pe- people that don't care about mm-hmm. their appearance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, um, they can actually really let themselves go, if you will. Not not yeah. the way that you were talking about, but really, yeah. people. Pe- some people do not care, and it actually isn't probably isn't the healthiest thing in the world. Exactly. So caring, caring about your life and about how, about being accepted and part of acceptance is our appearance, even though that's such a shallow or only one dimensional way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a reminder of that you care. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's strength and caring. Um, is there anything else? I guess I like, I kind of like hyper, just being hypersensitive to my emotions. So emotional awareness and sensitivity. Yeah, the, the, the being to continue to be affected and impacted by the comments of others and feel an emotional reaction means like I know my emotions. I I'm aware of what I'm feeling. I think in the long term or now being aware of it can help me address the issue because I know exactly what it is. I know exactly where it stems from. It's not like I'm sitting here like trying to go back 10 years of my childhood to figure out where this problem started. I know where it started. Um, and so I can address it and deal with it. I will invite you. And again, I really, it's not, uh, I'm not trying to probe in any way, shape or form if you don't want to talk about it, but is, was there a particular dynamic in that relationship in the past mm-hmm. that, that made sure that you needed to be on hypervigilance with your appearance? Was there something about that? Yeah. I mean, there's this one specific comment that, um, when we first started dating, I was just talking about like, um, oh, like, do you find me attractive, blah, blah, blah. Like, or I don't even know if I specifically said it that way, but we were talking about him and how he feels about my beauty. And he specifically said to me, I would have never picked you out in a crowd. And I, and I think that was just a complete shot to my self-esteem. And then I continued to date him for another five years. Um, oh my gosh. And that so, was early on in the relationship? Yeah, that was actually before we actually before we started being serious, because another reason I probably feel insecure is because we dated my senior year of high school and until college, but my entire senior year of high school, he didn't allow me to tell anyone we were dating. We had to be a secret. Like I was just like, and I was so naive. It was like the first time I ever like felt like I loved someone because he was my best friend, like legit my best friend. And I felt like I loved him and I wanted to be with him. And so we were a secret my entire senior year of high school. And it kind of made me feel like he was ashamed of me. And then like he started, we started, you know, being more in in the public eye and like posting and all this stuff and going on trips together. But like how we started, I think really affected how I felt in the relationship. So it's just another example of people, people making comments Mm -hmm. um, based on their own, like, to say something like that to another person um, is, first of all, even if somehow he were to feel that that was the truth, like the way that you communicate that, there's something off, really. Yeah, yeah. why even say it? Like, Why say that to somebody? I know. Um, <laughs> and it's the same thing with a gym teacher, like mm-hmm. calling the person a scroll, like that is just, I, I don't want to say lo- unlucky, but you I- encountered some people that spoke yeah. to you in a way that was very less than mm-hmm. dignified and human. Yeah. And the thing is, I've gotten um, 
ton of positive comments. Charisma, you're so beautiful. You're probably, you're the prettiest person I've ever <laughs> seen inside and out. And I know I hear those comments and it makes me feel so great, but I still remember those really hurtful comments from eighth grade and from senior year of high school that I just have a hard time letting go of. A hundred percent. And it's a weird thing that um, in, in CBT and cognitive behavioral therapy, there's this thing called core beliefs. And basically for whatever reason, we develop strong beliefs about ourselves. I'm unlikable, I'm unlovable or whatever. And obviously in the positive as well. Um, and what happens is that we then filter our whole experience and all things that happen to us get filtered through that. And then the, the visual image that they use in CBT when you do core belief work is that let's say the, 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 for you, it's, I'm not beautiful or I'm not pretty. And, and if you look at like, it's a little circle and then there's an opening, just like a little rectangular opening. And if an event happens where someone says, you're not beautiful, it goes right in there and fits in and reinforces the story. But then when you get a triangle, I think they're, they're called like positive triangles or something. Someone calls you beautiful and says you're incredible. And you know, your hair is amazing. All these things, it's a triangle. So it doesn't really fit in so much. It doesn't run as deep. It doesn't impact you as much. That's very that, interesting. I love, I need to look up that and like read more into that because I find that very interesting. So, so you obviously, there's so much data of people saying the opposite. I'm guessing you get things all the time, probably actually overwhelmingly positive. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like <laughs> hundreds it, of thousands of things versus like these little few mm -hmm. negative things. Yeah. And I just, it's how, like you were saying, it's just how the mind works. You take so much from these negative comments and you don't do the same thing for the positive comments. And Cole, I heard Cole mentioning that too, in his talk, like you need to weigh them the same. And if you're not going to weigh them the same, you just like, need to ignore both of them. If you're not going to focus on the positive comments, don't focus on the negative comments. So. Right. So uh, moving away from the parts of why it's doing better for you, because clearly, even though it reminds you of your emotional sensitivity as a human being, your strength to be able to continue living your life, all these sorts of things, why do you want to get better at increasing self-esteem, but also handling the criticism better or the negative comments better? What would be better about your life? Um, I believe that we are probably going to continue to grow. Our YouTube channel is probably going to continue to grow. Um, the more we put videos out there, the more people will see it. And if I don't learn how to deal with it now, it's not going to get easier. There are going to be more and more people who feel like they have a, have a say in my life and can say whatever they want about me. And so that's something I just know that I need to deal with. And I want to be confident. I want to show people that I'm confident no matter what, even if I'm not the prettiest girl in the room, no one is going to be the prettiest girl in the room because everyone has a different perspective of, of beauty. Um, but I still am confident in myself. Like I want to walk into the room and they're like, that's charisma. She's confident. She, she knows herself. She loves herself. And I want to feel that too. I want to just- But it's true. At the same time that you're talking about all this stuff, you're also that to a yeah. lot of people. And you're also that in a genuine way as well. Yeah. I mean, what is self-confidence? Really, you're doing that. Yeah. Are you not? Like, is that- even though maybe there are random times that it feels like it's not totally how you're feeling inside, but you are living that way as well. I think so. You know, I think it is. I just, I think I am. I just don't think I recognize that I am. Like I, you see it. People from the outside world see that I look confident. I act confident when they talk to me. 
you know, I may seem confident, but I don't recognize that in myself. I still don't feel the confidence that I want to feel. And maybe I just have a high expectation of what confidence should be for myself. And maybe that's, I'm, maybe I'll never reach that because it's an impossible standard in my mind. But do you, do you watch your own video though? Sometimes <laughs> I cringe sometimes. You cringe, right? Is that yeah. like, I mean, listening to, I don't like listening to my own voice, but I've gotten better listening to, to my own podcast episodes, even though it's not, it gets a little difficult, but you're, you must watch yourself sometimes. Yeah, I do. I do. I watch videos back, especially with my parents, you know, they come over and they're like, let's watch your latest video. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so I do it then. Yeah. And, and to your parents watching, everybody watching, they're seeing confidence, swag, you know, charisma. I mean, yeah. like, I'm not, I don't, I, I, it is your name, but it's also, you know, a part of your identity as the way you communicate. Like it's there, right? You can't, yeah. you can't deny that it's also there, even if you're working towards it. And, and I agree. And I think in order to even have like a YouTube channel and just like post videos continuously about our lives, I have to have some type of confidence, you know, like if I didn't have confidence, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, and so I know the confidence is there. But I think that my expectation of how I how confident I should be is really high. And maybe I should recognize that I am confident and realize that. And maybe that's my problem. <laughs> Well, uh, there is a little bit of a weird thing. And I don't know if you've ever come across something called acceptance and commitment therapy act. Um, there's a, there's a whole, uh, the, the, the famous book on it is, uh, well, there's so many books in it, but one of the famous most user-friendly books is called the happiness trap. And in an act therapy, one of the main sort of skills, and I barely talk about therapy and the things, but one of the main skills, um, or processes to learn is called diffusion, which is having a new relationship with thoughts. And his, his argument is actually like having high self-esteem is just having a strong sense of identity or fusion with positive thoughts and having low self-esteem is just being fused with negative thoughts. And in fact, you know, you, you can be detached a little bit from both of those perspectives. Like, in other words, you could easily just, when those negative thoughts come up or in those stories, part of what you do in diffusion is that you notice a, a bunch of thoughts that come together, thoughts and feelings that come together in triggers. So for you, it'd be like the not pretty enough story. And you just know when it's coming on and you just label it. Oh, the not pretty enough story is coming up here. And then it's like, do you take it seriously? Cause like, I feel like self-confidence is like this elusive thing. Like, yeah. I don't know how you measure that in the internal sense. When you project it, I project lots of confidence, but like everybody else, I'm insecure. So yeah. You know, some people that are too attached to their positive self-esteem are like, are super arrogant about themselves. Yes. And others are so attached to negative thoughts about themselves that they're, they're sort of self-abasing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a way to just kind of live and be like, yeah, I'm doing my thing. I'm living. And then maybe some thoughts are coming up that I'm so great and incredible. and Everybody should love me and follow me. And then at the same time, I'm so um, not great and I don't look good and everybody should stop following me. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's just a balance. Maybe it's just the balance of everything. And I have to learn how to balance those thoughts. Cause I'm not sure I could ever stop those thoughts. I mean, that's natural human instinct to have those thoughts. So maybe it's just learning how to balance those thoughts um, in an appropriate way. Yeah. I think I would just try new things and not feel like I could 
be a, like not be afraid of failing at something. I would have more confidence to just, oh, let's just try this, you know, um, not be afraid of failing. If I do fail, okay, that's fine. I can try something else and feeling more confident to just do things without worrying about failing. So really just getting more experimental. There might be things that you th- you're thinking about doing with the channel that you haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're, and I'm worried like about the comment piece. Cause like, what if you do something new and then there's just a whole host of criticism. Yeah. That is true. Well, honestly, it's like, so Cole and I both want to start a podcast podcast actually. And so we're like, Oh, we should do that. And we're like, but are we going to be good at it? Like, are we good at interviewing? Do we sound good as our voice? Nice, you know? And, and so like that, like feeling confident in like, well, you know what? I think I have a cool voice. I think it'll be great for it. Um, and so something what about neither, that- what about just doing the podcast <laughs> Yeah, and just true. seeing what happens? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, I don't understand why we have a roadblock when it comes to it, because that's exactly what we did for the YouTube channel. We just did it. We just pulled out my cell phone and recorded it and posted it. Like I didn't have zero confidence. I'm sure when I did that, but I just did it and just went for it. And so that's how I want to be with everything in life. But I think because our YouTube channel has done so well, I have so much expectation that I will do well in other things. And if I don't do well in other things and I'm like, Oh, I'm not good at this. I shouldn't do it kind of thing. Right. I mean, that's a lot loving yourself more providing greater value, less fear around what you're doing, what you're not doing. These are massive, massive things. I think, okay, maybe like in the future, I think it'll help me be a better example to like my children. And so if they see that their mom is super confident and like loves herself, I think they will learn how to do that for themselves. And I want to be a strong mother for my children. And so I think working on that now would help me be that mother. But I just want to take now a step back to just say that from the outside perspective and from the place that it really matters, which is how you act and how you live, Mm -hmm. um, you're doing it. You're, you're, you're doing, you know, you you know that you are, um, maybe there's a bit of triangles that aren't coming through as much, but clearly you're, you're doing a lot of the work already. That that doesn't mean it's not invalidating to the fact that it is happening. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but it, it, but it, but it's, but it's true. So overall, basically, um, if we were to sum this up, it sounds like, you know, to me getting through this, whether what self-esteem is, what self-esteem isn't, is it all tied to our thoughts? Is it all tied or, or is it, is what we do? What really matters aside from all of that? Um, you just want to maybe try new things, even though you might be feeling insecure about it. Uh, and part of that is maybe a podcast. Is that that's on the horizon right now? Yes, that um, a potential book is like a thought too. I mean, there are a lot of things. That's so exciting. That's fun. So these are the kind of things that, and and I maybe in terms of the practical part, because the practical part is just one thing, one small step in the direction of of this confidence thing, this try new things thing. Um, uh, if part of me, just when I come to this, I'm thinking about the YouTube comments. I'm just thinking about comments in general, mm-hmm. um, how, how you are going to handle that or how you're going to have a different relationship with that going forward. I mean, I'm sure you get asked that a lot and people, um, it's just probably a lot on your mind. How, how do you handle it? How do you think you want to handle that better? Um, 
I think weighing negative and positive comments the same. I think I, w- I just want to stop making negative comments more important than the positive comments. I want them to be equal. Um, Cause if I made them equal, then the positive comments will overtake the negative comments because there's so many more positive comments than there are negative comments. Right. Um, so Have you ever I- thought about maybe not reading the negative comments? Yeah, everyone always says that, like, block block people or don't read the comments. And um, we don't read comments as much anymore. But I do like talking to people and giving, like, commenting back to, you know, people and making it seem like we're involved. And I want to be involved. I want to just not feel like we just post videos and not talk to anyone or our supporters. I want them to feel acknowledged. So I have to go through all of the comments. And so I see all of them. It's hard to just you start seeing like a negative comment you just feel forced to read it it's hard to stop myself from reading it and move on to the next one so right it's just it's the internet like it's impossible to to handle all of that um so getting right down to the last couple of minutes here is Mm -hmm. there one thing one little thing differently that you think you want to do in this area um i think i want to look at myself in the mirror and say you're beautiful i love you you're awesome (laughs) every day do you do that ever no. Okay. So you want to, <laughs> you want to look in the mirror every day and say, you're beautiful. You're awesome. I love you. Yeah. Okay. I Maybe that'll I make should... me feel better. Well, I think, I, I think that that is sort of part of the thing that you were talking about with dancing. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a, a part of your routine that you, you implement or something like that. Yeah. I think, I think if I started telling myself, you know, that I'm beautiful, then I, in turn, when I see negative comments, I won't react as much to them because I know in myself inside of me that I'm beautiful, that I'm awesome. And then just, I think it'll start helping me build confidence by saying this stuff out loud, even though I may not feel it, I'm saying it out loud, doing like the opposite of what I feel. Yes. (laughs) And also the real, the people that really care about you in your life, I think that they probably echo that as well. Like the people that really matter, like your family, uh, your friends, <laughs> Cole, all these people are on that side of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So th- th- that's the real, the, those are the real deal people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you've got some, some thought for it. First of all, I just, uh, this issue, I think uh, the issue of where the level, where the role of self-esteem plays in our lives, how we seriously, we take the thoughts that are negative about ourselves, regardless of where they come from, all this stuff, people are unfortunately struggling with this all the time. I hope that uh, your change talk, which is all about continuing to deepen, you you are confident, you're living the confident life, but first of all, acknowledging that it's not always that way within yourself is uh, something that I hope people can, can for themselves think about being a bit more honest to the people in their lives. Um, And, and I think that it's, I don't see them as two different things. I think that you can have all those thoughts about yourself that are negative and also be doing everything you're doing and it'd be just as real. Um, I think they're just part, two parts of being human. Absolutely. I agree. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate your time. It was fun to speak to both of you today and all the best with their new endeavors that are hopefully upcoming for you and Cole and maybe a podcast and maybe a book which is very exciting. So we will be on the lookout for. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. It was a pleasure.
don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs>